Welcome back, podcast listeners. We're here with episode 179, and as we discussed last week, uh, we're pivoting with how we're doing things and, and doing an interview series. So today I've, I've got one from a, a really different industry, and, and I'm going to find it a bit of a fun chat. And it's something that's been coming up a lot lately. I think we're seeing it in the news, and, and we're seeing life change a little bit. But I'd like to welcome Ty um, from Loop here today. Uh, Ty, welcome, welcome to our podcast, I guess. Pleasure to be here, Jamie. So, mate... You are from a different industry, or we're, we're from similar industries, but we're doing it a little bit different. Um, I guess, you know, everyone hears the keywords blockchain, cryptocurrency, Web 3.0. Um, you're sort of heavily involved, mate. I, I want to hear a little bit about you, your background, um, but also the exciting stuff you're working on at Loop. So, mate, how did you get into this industry? Absolutely. So I guess like many people, I got in just by accident because yep. I got in very early back when uh, everything was very sketchy at the time you had to be able to like get involved in the industry to purchase Bitcoin took place on these behind the wall sort of forums in the middle of nowhere you send your money to strange places and hope for the best and I just got in by accident I stumbled upon the idea about 10 years ago and just thought the idea was so compelling that I stuck around ever since yeah and so in between I you know worked a little bit as a chemical engineer but then I came full circle and started working in the space full-time about two years ago and have just been founding companies and helping out with companies ever since. So, mate, it, 10 years ago is very early within cryptocurrency and, and you're quite young anyway. Was it playing around on your computer? Like, how, how did someone sort of back then find these areas to get into? Just honestly playing around with my computer, being a little bit naive as to the real complexity of the financial world and just seeing a new idea and just trying something new. Um, the main... Crypto itself, people talk about all the different layers, like a layer one blockchain, I'm sure your audience has heard. But the sort of idea of how this comes along just really emerges from a community who just wanted to try new things and just wanted to create an alternative. And, you know, <laughs> being like 17 at the time and not seeing all the different moving parts in finances or the financial industry as a whole, I just thought the idea was compelling enough to learn more and more about. And over the past 10 years, I've just... Um, learned so much about the actual tech of like building like applications and the financial industry itself and seeing how these things could fit together beyond just the naive level of this is pretty cool let's try it out sounds like a good alternative yeah. to you know this is you know superior in many ways let's figure out how to integrate this in a way that makes sense yeah so obviously um, before we get into loop and the work that you're currently doing um, I want to sort of go to I guess market sentiment at the moment and and you know cryptocurrency went through a pretty hard time over the past 12 months um, and there's obviously been been some big media around FTX and Sam and, and what's going on there with people losing a lot of money. Um, you know, we've seen that in a traditional financial world with Bernie Madoff. I guess they use them as a similar situation. But, you know, how have you seen that change in the market? How did you find that sort of time? Has it been hard? Um, and, you know, how do you see the future in looking in that space? I think that's a great question. I'd say 2022 for the crypto industry has seen multiple Lehman Brothers explode. Yeah. simultaneously uh, the amount of just poor regulation the amount of excess that has taken place has really come to fruit like the, the 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 roosters have really come back to roost and behind every sort of specter bubble the wave always crashes higher for the next time for new waves of innovation to come and try again and build on what was tried before yeah i see the next couple of year or so being quite lean for the crypto industry vcs still have have their checkbooks open for the highest quality talent 
but a lot of the projects, a lot of the speculative derivative projects have been hurt very badly, um, especially in uh, the uh, the chain that Loop used to be on, which was the Terra chain. Terra was, um, I, I would say, at some one point it was the second biggest chain in terms of total value locked. Loop was the second biggest protocol on this chain. Yeah, had one hundred and five million dollars locked at its peak. And then that whole chain, $40 billion worth of value went to zero. And that had enormous knock-on effects throughout the industry. So it's just, I would characterize it as this house of cards just building again over the next year and year and a half. Yeah. But like any new technology that provides a much better solution and a much newer alternative, it's too compelling to ignore forever. So I'd say the next you know, one to three years, I'd be looking out for new regulation, um, new innovations in, in DeFi and in NFTs and their applications. And I think we'll see another major wave once again. Yeah, I think what was great, we had a conversation the other day and I sort of laughed. We see on LinkedIn, everyone changed from being a um, you know Web 3.0 crypto expert to an AI expert. But what, what I like about you and your team is you've actually kept true to your foundations and what you're wanting to achieve. Um, have you found that a bit funny in the market and, and people sort of pivoting in the way that they want to look at themselves? I joke with the team, we need to change our, our top level domain name to .ai instead. Yeah. We're an AI blockchain <laughs> solution doing AI blockchain things. Um, but I think like all things, you only succeed if you focus. And I think if we start see people like, you know, LARPing or just pretending to be an AI company, they're just going to get nowhere and just get washed out with the rest of the derivatives. Yep. All the biggest players or all the biggest movers in the AI industry have been doing this for the past five to 10 years in any case. Like OpenAI only got founded in, in 2015 and AI has been brewing for the past you know 30 40 years yeah so i think any tourists who decide that all of a sudden they become ai experts instead of blockchain experts will just well remain poor <laughs> yeah. and remain and you know just continue to just be stuck just jumping from thing after thing yeah so we talked about communities as well and and you know i guess you know the people using these products are quite a community um and it's sort of you know a new wave of movement but you know What's great is there is people wanting to get into that industry, and, and but people find it hard. We talked about cold wallets, and mm. you know I want to talk about Loop. I know Loop have got some solutions around this, and, and I want to dive into that. But do you want to give the users a bit of background, uh, the listener, sorry, of Loop um, and your role within Loop? Yeah, absolutely. So Loop was the first incentivized decentralized exchange, so much like a regular exchange, just a means for you to trade digital assets on the Terra blockchain founded in 2020, which is very convenient for the core founders because there was nothing to do except for sit at home and make code. Yeah. Um, so I had a previous startup, which I was um, one of the founders of until about September 2022. Loop was absolutely flying during this time. They were extremely fast. They built uh, you know, multiple different products, I think nine altogether up until that point and one of them was their incubation their their venture studio so i was working with them with my startup i ended up talking to them right as terra crashed so unfortunately that didn't go further but we maintained a good relationship and I ended up joining the team in some capacity in october yeah so now my involvement with the loop is more just strategic advisory um, generating new deals um, showing them or rather advising them on choices like tech choices in terms of blockchain in terms of the actual governance of some of their products and protocols itself and just finding new opportunities to help loop grow 
Yeah, so we've been talking about some of those opportunities, but I wanted to talk about some of the projects that you're advising on um, and the role that you do within that advisor as well. Um, I know you talk a lot about their tokens and, and how they should be rolling them out, but do you want to talk about some of the exciting projects that you're currently working on? Yeah, I feel very lucky that I have landed reasonably well after this crash. I know a lot of people have been forced to either leave the industry or just do something else. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of interesting projects that I'm looking at. Loop is one with their pretty much full suite of products that they are that they have created so um, the the biggest ones the most interesting ones are their de- incentivized decentralized exchange their uh, MPC wallet so instead of worrying about a private seed phrase so if anyone has ever like uh, created a new crypto wallet you're asked to write down these funky words you're asked to never share them with anyone and yeah, then if you uh, lose them well I had to do that the other day <laughs> obviously we, we made a seed investment um, a group of us and you know you, th- that was the first process that I went through in this and it was like I remember saying to them you know I'm, I've got this wallet I'm setting up an account in MetaMask I'm, I'm doing this I'm like this is just so hard and then then I'm like worried I'm actually carrying my money around in this USB pen in a sense um, and I'm like, I don't, what if I lost that? Um, so it is quite concerning in that regard. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge challenge. It's that, like it's such a leap for people to just uh, be able to like make this jump from this is how I store my money to this is how I store my money. It's uh, it's it's something that you know we were trying to address or Luke was trying to address with the creation of a new wallet. So instead of writing down these words and hoping no one ever finds them and you know hoping you know your your um your your lawyer doesn't lose them or the bank doesn't have a leak and they get smudged or whatever like and there's many other technical options too but like again it's all way too hard for the average user who just wants to get involved um so loop created a new mpc wallet which basically stands for multi-party computation which is a fancy way of saying um that seed or your private key is split between different authenticators so your facebook login your google login your linkedin login and maybe a biometric if you're feeling like it instead of just storing it in your um on a piece of paper or storing it somehow else so just the idea is to just make this tech a lot more accessible a lot more easy to use and safely share a lot of money without you know relying on the users being highly technical or highly devoted to this because it should be easy and this tech should serve us and not the other way around yeah that's that's probably one thing i found funny it's it's the tech has advanced so much and then it was historic like archaic how we were actually holding our money um so i found that gap is there a lot of security issues around that though if people's facebook got hacked like how how do you work around that i think the biometric is probably the biggest part yeah so the idea is is that it never leaves your device and the idea is is that you need multiple pieces of that information at once to be able to unlock that wallet yeah so the the odds of someone you know successfully losing their 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 google account losing their facebook account losing a biometric losing other accounts and other indicators is pretty low altogether yeah and the benefit as well well not the benefit but because these wallets have built in something called social recovery instead of just saying sorry you know you you lucked out you've lost all your money you can give a trusted party or power of attorney the ability to restore your funds yeah so a lot of advances in the space have been made. The challenge, the, some of the biggest challenge is ensuring these advances keep pace, but also doesn't compromise on decentralization because then we just return to legacy finance, which is already established and there's no need to remake the same thing that's already there. And with the decentralized, I think that's something I want to touch on as well. Um, that's, that's something that's going to drive the market forward because when we look at a centralized, that was FTX. Am Absolutely, yeah. It's crazy. It's like, you know, I remember when Mt. Gox went down in November 2013 and everyone said the whole industry is dead. 
and you know at the time there was this major camp of people saying oh the industry's dead nothing will ever come back um but then a much more smaller and correct camp that said well that just established that you know you can't just rely on some centralized solution to keep your money safe and then we've seen people make the same mistakes again and again and again over the years um and i think the challenge is is that just building robust decentralized technology is really hard to do correctly this industry is so nascent that um, doing this consistently on a broad-based um, means to account for every different variable in running a decentralized exchange or even just any sort of organization is challenging because yeah. there's always unforeseen consequences. And I think we're going to keep making a lot more mistakes in going forward. But I think every single time uh, more people get smarter, more people see alternative methods and more people try new things to increase that level of robustness going forward yeah so we've got i guess uh, governments now looking at making centralized you know cryptocurrencies um how do you see that space playing out i think the value of cryptocurrencies isn't just necessarily in the decentralization itself the value is being able to put our values into our money yeah and it does scare me a little bit if an authoritarian company regime or country you know enforces that you know, citizen, you haven't done X and Y, therefore your your balance has been reduced. Yeah, we talk about Black Mirror. They've done that episode where, you know, can turn you off on your social score. Pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> but on the other hand, the ability to, to settle almost instantaneous transactions to validate and verify independently whether something is uh, accurate, whether all the due diligence has been taken place and taking away that sort of veil of secrecy to release more information into the world about the status of transactions, to be able to audit companies, to be able to audit uh, movements, and to be able to incentivize users in a new way or less users, more like citizens in a new way, is very compelling. Imagine, um, I know a project that Melbourne's working on, uh, I'm pretty sure I can talk about this at a high level. The city's looking to incentivize people by throwing out garbage, for example, and then rewarding them with a new coin. At a much larger scale, this could provide much more incentives rather than punishments for people who do the right thing yep. to encourage people in the right way in a way that's pretty much zero admin to, to execute upon. Yeah. And I think even if you look at that technology, when we think about, um, you know, we have finance in-house and, you know, one of the biggest things is going through costs, going through their liabilities, assets, you know, how much are they spending? Where are they spending? What are they spending on? Um, technology like this is obviously going to make that pretty much instant. I read a stat um, from publication from RMIT's Blockchain Innovation Hub that the cost of due diligence and the cost of trust in the broader global economy is something like $35 trillion. Yeah. Every single lawyer, every single manager, every single clerk, every single person in between a transaction taking place and verifying that everything is accurate is enormously expensive. The amount of expertise required to go through a company's books and pick out like discrepancies is, humo is massive. And I think over the next coming decades, as we start to put more and more of our assets on a verify on a queryable, openly queryable public chain, which everyone can verify, or at least the majority can verify as honest, um, we'll just see a lot of those costs just vanish and a lot more easy transactions just take place. Yeah, so I guess, um, how do people get themselves educated in this industry and, and get themselves in it? Because we're talking about, you know, a lot of jobs going and, and jobs shifting and, and new technologies. Um, you know, how are people, I guess, studying to be within this industry? So it's all the, so university courses have only just started in this industry. So there's a lot of good short courses that have come out of reputable universities. I know RMIT has just made a um, blockchain and entrepreneurship course. And um, aside from that, it's generally just going to events, physical or virtual events, 
and just asking questions, yeah. which sounds a little a little wishy-washy, but starting from scratch in an industry which is highly technical, it's always good to find an expert or a mentor of some sort, find which parts are most confusing and just dive in from there. Actually, something that I do do for um, an old employer of mine is I come in once a month and I just run an educational session for their team just to run through the most common topics. Some really good resources for you to get started if you're really starting from the beginning is um, Loop's got a learning platform. So I think it's loop.learn or looplearn.io. There is Binance Academy, which covers the most common topics. And then Coindesk, which is a crypto news service, also has an educational series as well. And there's just so many more for you to just jump down the rabbit hole and really specialize and really focus and understand how this new world works. Yeah, so that's at that base level. Now let's get back to, I guess, you at that top level in an advisory role. Um, how are you, I guess, working with firms at the moment? You were talking about Loop before, um, and we'll talk about some other projects. How are you working in that advisory role for them? So advisory role itself is just, it covers the full scope of how their Web3 architecture will look like. So the choices that they'll make about their their tech execution what sort of tech will be included especially in cosmos when you've got so much ability to choose what your priorities are in terms of determining um what your chain wants to be specialized in so do you want to do you want to just i guess as we go i just want to sorry jump in there cosmos let's let's explain this a little bit because you know even i got confused around it do you want, do you want to explain to users uh, listeners how that you know operates yeah absolutely so this is this is uh <laughs> i just say, these, world, I say these words and i'm like oh yeah this is just whatever like <laughs> these are just normal things but uh forget that you know it's uh it, it takes a while just to be fully immersed in all the new tech and all the terms and all the new names so cosmos is a cosmos is three things really it is a standard development kit or sdk which allows you to build, pick and choose like a buffet, all your favorite blockchain parts to yep. create a custom blockchain. So you can choose the programming language that you want to write. You can choose the style of accounts, which will be included. So there's two main ones. Uh, there's like an Ethereum style account, which is suitable for some purposes or a Bitcoin style account, which is suitable for more payment sort of services. And that's just like, you know, one thing. There's so many, there's hundreds of things which you can dive into. Um, it's also the consensus engine underneath, which is the, um, you can think of it the, as the engine that ensures that the transactions taking place are verifiable, robust, and uncensorable, ensuring that they're properly decentralized. So it's like, it's the it's a part of the blockchain which everybody likes, right? Yeah. It, it's part of the blockchain that ensures the decentralization, ensures the openness and the queryability of the chain. And then between that, the final part of Cosmos is the intercommunication protocol called IBC, which allows different chains to communicate with each other. So you can create one custom chain, you can talk to an entirely different custom chain and an entirely different custom chain. So putting it all together, you create a sort of platform which allows you to create highly customizable uh, Cosmos chains directly to your purpose and specification. And how that relates to what I'm doing is that I would go in and I would talk to founders and I would talk to people in the, or people that I'm working with in the industry and just ask questions to understand what's important to them and what's important to their growth and how do they intend on balancing that while still maintaining a robust, decentralized and open system. And then working with them and working with my team to design, scope out and then build the solution for them. 
and I would stay along to help out with their governance if required as well. Yeah, what I liked is when we were talking the other day, you were talking about liquidity and making sure that these, you know, they weren't just running on empty gas, that they were actually building a proper company um, that was going to be sustainable for the long term. Absolutely. So one of the projects that I'm working with called EclipsePad is focusing on a problem which has already been largely solved in traditional markets, but is still being worked upon in crypto markets. This idea of having a market for you to actually trade your financial assets into. Yep. So uh, the idea of having a... So in general, just to give a bit of background, so the, I'm sure the audience has heard of ICOs and the like. So in the early days of launching tokens, you could simply list a token at a fixed price, have a whole bunch of people jump in, buy it, you know, watch the price go all the way up and then all the way back down to zero. And then the project is dead. You've burned all your investors and everyone calls you a scam and the like. So um, the challenge is, is just ensuring that you are able to attract an audience or a community of people who actively like, support and are invested in your project over a much longer term and still providing a market for people to trade your asset into. Because if you were to just say, for example, anyone can make a token, like it takes less than five minutes to make a token. You can, there's even like no code solutions to just pressing a few buttons and getting your own personal token. Uh, but ensuring that people can actually actively sell and trade these tokens require making a market for them into the longer term. So this company or this protocol rather, because it's not really a company, that I'm working with is trying to figure out or creating modular solutions for different projects to be able to take their token, list it on this particular launch pad, and then create ongoing users, create you know a devoted, thriving community around this particular project, and create a sufficient market for, well, people to buy and sell into their project. And what I like is you're actually going through a fair um, process to for someone to launch on that pad, um, they actually need to go through a rigorous process. It's not just anyone jumping on and doing it. Am I correct in saying that? Absolutely. So I don't see any value in just allowing anyone to just come and launch onto the launch pad. Um, there's more than enough tools if you want to try to do it yourself. I think as this industry matures and as we get advances in technology that allow a much broader user base, these tools at the end of the day are for everybody. They aren't just for a bunch of like, you know, you know, addicted, like 20 somethings like myself, right? <laughs> Who are stuck here. Uh, but these tools are for people to be able to effectively raise funds, to effectively um, harness the powerful network effects of being able to share a token or share something that's not a share or not necessarily a security, but share something of value to your earliest supporters and earliest community. And these things should be used more widely to attract the widest amount of value from the most promising projects and not just anyone who has a good idea but no execution yeah i think look i look at it in basic terms is you know if someone's wanting to go onto the asx they need to go through a rigorous process you're almost doing that in a traditional sense in a new world is saying well actually we're going to go through these stages um to make sure your company's legit and going to make it over the long term i think that's a really good change and something that i find quite unique and something that's really drawing me you're actually doing a process to make sure that this is successful absolutely so it's, this is very much this is very much around the ecosystem of an accelerator or an incubator that also raises funds and also launches a community. There are so many projects which are promising but don't necessarily have the ability or the know-how to be able to list on a, a stock exchange like the ASX, but rather be able to instead you know 
to create this alternative and to be able to um, attract that community and raise those funds in a way that's less rigorous, but still somewhat rigorous to ensure quality to go forward. And this is just one example of how tools can be used to uh, facilitate much wider transactions and lower the barrier of entry to a lot of promising projects and ideas. Yeah. So you also mentioned before you're helping write white papers. Um, Could you explain what a white paper is and why that's important? Absolutely. So a white paper is just the a technical layout or just a, a fleshed out uh, document that showcases the need for a particular solution or a particular new product. It talks about the gap in the market, uh, what this particular product is from a much more technical point of view rather than the business strategy side of things and why it works, how it works and the overall architecture of what it will do just to showcase what it is and these are fairly common i know in other industries but in crypto it's honestly all about the white paper there's a lot of emphasis and a lot of focus about the white paper yeah seeing that you have put in the work you have thought through all the technical problems and you do have the means to deploy what you intend to deploy yeah um so it's about a 15 to 17 page document it's considered essential to a lot of protocols looking to launch yep um i've written a couple so far and look i'm open to helping out anyone else who wants to look into writing white papers as well. Well, I think that's a big thing where people need assistance in because they need to do that correctly because as you said, that's probably the most pivotal point in them launching their product. Um, And if people aren't getting that right, then they're Mm. not going to gain that community, are they? There's so many different like elements that come together to make... It's like you can think of like a successful launch as just pieces in a puzzle or just rather like a buffet table where the more you add, the more compelling it becomes. So along with having a strong team, along with having like a new idea, a new innovation... Um, comes other small elements like an active community of supporters who will buy your token and participate in the build and the ongoing maintenance of your network, robust governance and user retention, a solid white paper, or at least solid documentation that uh, outlines why your project will be successful or what the technical value proposition of your project is. Um, And those, when put together, along with, you know, like everything else, a strong marketing campaign that can attract your target audience, those put together just allow you to be able to have a much greater chance of success and a much greater chance of competing in a market that is already facing a downturn. Yeah. So I guess how, what I want our users to know, if I'm I'm living in this web 2.0 traditional world um, and and I feel like I've got an idea and I I feel like, you know, there's a community out there that would be embracing that idea, how do I come to you and, and how do we sort of start working together? Well, I'm on Twitter and I'm on LinkedIn, so you can feel free to send me a message with just a slide deck and an idea. I'm happy to talk to anyone and everyone. Yeah. For the most part, um, the majority of the crypto community and the crypto industry at large is on Twitter. So if you have an idea and you you start to understand what sort of sector you're in, are you in decentralized finance? Are you looking at a new application of NFTs? Are you looking at a new application of cryptography, for example, or a new wallet or any piece of infrastructure? It's just a simple matter of just uh, just start loudly talking about it if you don't have any friends in the industry on yeah. social media, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. The space is so decentralized and so online due to the nature of you know, people globally discovering this technology that there are so many different regional hubs and it's such a decentralized community around the world that someone will pay attention to you if your idea is good and yeah. someone will talk to you. That's pretty much actually how Loop started. Yeah, okay. The the founder of Terra, Do Kwan, reached out to one of the founders of Loop to entice him to build a decentralized exchange and then the rest is history. Wow. So, mate, 
I'm, I'm going to put your details in this podcast as well so people can reach out to you on Twitter. Hopefully your followers blow up. But I, I think that's a great way is, is just reaching out and having that initial conversation and, and putting your ideas and, and letting you work from there. And, you know, I know engaging news in a way where, you know, you're not there to blow a project up at the start by charging ridiculous amounts of money. You're really there for the founders and making sure that that project's successful. I'm at a point where I'm just here for the industry yeah. for the most part. I think... I don't want to see people just make an NFT for the sake of an NFT, although those are pretty fun, or just making a token, but not understanding all the powerful use cases which it can entail. Yeah. Like right now, I am in an office just down the road from the Kofkin headquarters working on a new uh, tokenized economy for a health tech startup that's looking to capture the value of preventative health on-chain to reward users, to allow users to be able to own their health data and then contribute to clinical studies by selling it, which you can only do with uh, NFTs if the users custody their own data, as opposed to just having these complicated, highly administrative um, data centers all around the world. So there's just so many vast applications and I just wanna make sure that it's just done right. I'm, I just wanna see quality projects just emerge at this industry. I just wanna see more uh, financial assets and more value unlocked. And I think these tools have got the capacity to make a lot of those changes. Love it. Ty, mate, I really appreciate you coming in and spending some time with me to, to chat the, the new world, I guess. Uh, it's always a pleasure, Jamie. Thanks, mate. The Kofkin Bond podcast is a product from Kofkin Bond & Co., which we are an authorised representative of Gown Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of the Kofkin Bond podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Kofkin Bond website, or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Kofkin Bond & Co. and the hosts of the Kofkin Bond podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.